Welcome to Harrimanology, the official podcast to keep up with Harriman City. We'll take you inside the city, explore the latest news and updates, show you how your government operates, and discuss the issues that affect us all. Now, here are your hosts talking all things Harriman on Harrimanology. Harrimanology episode four, I believe. John LaFollette here, communications manager for Harriman City, joined as always by assistant city manager Tammy Moody. It is event season, finally. It, What's going on? It's actually event season as opposed to last year's fake event season. We <laughs> we did what we could. It was a fun year, but it's summer. We have a lot of things going on. Rodeo this weekend. We'll talk about all that a little bit later. Uh, but right now, there's a hot topic around town. We've heard about it before. It's, um, it's, it's complicated. It's emotionally sensitive. And it's important. And so we want to get down and talk about the details. We want to help uh, our community understand what is going on, why it's happening, and so we can make the best decision possible as a city. So, so to help us dissect Olympia Hills and the situation about potential annexation of Olympia Hills and everything surrounding that, we are joined by council members Clint Smith and Stephen Shields from the Harriman City Council. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate the opportunity to be here with you guys. Um, as you mentioned, this is a uh, a big topic. Um, it's one that uh, I think has a lot of uh, preconceived notions about it. And so, to your point, we really want to to open up the dialogue um, on this this development, uh, this potential annexation, um, and really bring the community into this process as we study this, as we look at every aspect of it and make a good decision moving forward. Yeah, ag- agreed. I think um, not only preconceived notions, but preconceptions based on unfactual information, if you will, right? Um, it, it's not the boogeyman, it's not scary, but it is complicated. And I think it's important for us to to find as many ways as we can to to ask some questions and answer some questions. And, and I think most importantly, give people factual information on which they're making their conclusions. So the past few city council meetings, the council has been talking about this project. And I think the, the public wants to know why. Why are you talking about it? Why now? And what's changed? Why, why is this a new topic all of a sudden? Well, I'll just start out by saying I don't know that uh, from my perspective, I don't think anything's changed other than the fact that we recognize as a city that that this has been approved in the county. This is going to be built. It is going to be built right now on our western city boundary. And I think it's our job as elected officials, as staff of the city, and as residents of the city to understand what that development looks like and what those potential impacts are to our city and how do we effectively plan for that development and and look at it as an opportunity potentially to enhance what we already have out here and those things that we have really come to, to love and appreciate about Harriman City. So, Councilman Smith, you said that it has been approved in the county is there anything that we can do, Councilman Shields, to stop that? No. Okay. So then what do we do? <laughs> um, you know, it, can we deny the development? No, we, we have no authority right now over the development of anything that happens, um, the number of units, how fast it goes, what kind of properties there are. We currently have no say over any of that at all. Um, when it when it was approved in the county, they entitled the land, they approved a master development agreement. And, and as far as you know, we are concerned, Olympia Hills is full steam ahead. Now, there's some logistical challenges that they have being in the county as opposed to being a part of a city, um, but those aren't insurmountable by any means. Um, and they're, they've been moving forward aggressively for the past you know, 18 months or so. You asked why now? Why are we having the conversations now? Um, I don't think the conversations ever stopped. I think they just slowed, if you will. Somewhere um, last fall, uh, we found out that some of the money that we had 
allocated to the Southwest Mayor's Coalition for a regional transportation study uh, wasn't needed. And some of that had come back to the city as a refund. And we were trying to decide where should we allocate that money? What's the best use of that? And at that time, the council decided to use that money to update our um, the study that was done in 2018 um, by Bonneville Research, out, you know, highlighting the impacts of Olympia Hills and starting to quantify those impacts a little bit. Uh, we wanted to update that based on the new approval of Olympia Hills. It's different than the way it was originally submitted and trying to get a better understanding of what the current development or how the current development would impact our city. In February of this year, um, city finance manager um, Alan Ray came forward and made a presentation kind of outlining the financial impacts of Olympia Hills. And what was really interesting is he was talking about the impacts that Olympia Hills would have inside the city of Harriman, not impacts happening in Olympia Hills, impacts that would be felt inside of our city. And that's really where our concerns are most um, focused on, is trying to understand and quantify those. And when he reported that we were going to have a $60 million shortfall in paying for those impacts in our city, obviously that got my attention. And uh, some of my fellow council members felt the same way. And so we reached out to the developers of Olympia Hills, asking them if they would be willing to engage in a conversation with us. Would you be willing to see what possibilities there are so that we can understand what your intentions are, what you're trying to build, how fast you're going to build it, and better understand what we can do as a city to collaborate and cooperate to either minimize those impacts or mitigate those impacts? I think that's a really good point that, that Steve just made. Is, is I think, uh, and Steve can pe- speak for himself, but as an elected member of the, of the Herman Council and my own, uh, I guess, feeling of responsibility to the citizens that, that have elected me to be in here to, and to represent them and to make decisions for them, we have to recognize not only those, as Steve just mentioned, those impacts and those changes that are happening within our city boundaries, but also those externally that can impact our city, that can impact how we look at uh, development in the future or traffic impacts or infrastructure changes or um, taxes and retail. All of those things are impacted, not just by what happens within our city limits, but with those adjacent to us, Riverton City, South Jordan City, Bluffdale City, and of course the unincorporated areas of the county where Olympia Hills Falls. And so um, Steve brought up a great point of the the financial analysis that was done by Alan, um, the Bonneville research study that was previously done. And and I think that, that several members of our council, if not all of us, are very, um, we, we really like to quantify. We like data. We like data to be able to look to to help us um, really be able to, to understand the issues, to make good, sound decisions for our, our community. But that data also translates in an ability for us to help educate our community, help give them that same information that we have so that they, it's not just about us understanding the issue. Our whole community has to understand the issue, and we want to bring them along with us as, as we look at these, um, these potential effects um, on our community based on development. And again, the, the most prevalent one right now would be the Olympia Hills development on our on our western border. So we talk about all of the impacts that this development could have. And then in those same conversations, we talk about potential annexation. So what exactly is annexation? Why would we even consider it? And, and what would that mean for the city? Go ahead, Steve. Well, I mean, that's a that's a really big answer, right? Um, let, let's start with the first part. So annexation is the process by which land moves from one um, municipal setting to another municipal setting, i.e. when Harriman annexed a portion of Bluffdale with the area now known as Rosecrest or where um, Real Academy sits. Um, As it applies to Olympia Hills, currently that area is governed by Salt Lake County. Through an annexation, it would then become governed by Harriman City. 
and become part of the city within our city limits. Can As, I make one point yeah, real quick, Steve? I think one important point to recognize when it comes to annexation is that the decision to file um, an annexation petition for a, a property by a property owner is their decision. It's not the city's decision. So should an entity, i.e. Olympia Hills, want to have annexation considered, that's a decision that they make and they initiate that process. It's not a city-initiated process. It's a developer or landowner-initiated process. And and I think that that process gets initiated to then be able to allow both entities to openly explore what does that look like moving forward or what that potentially looks like going forward of should this area become part of Herman City, how does that, how may that change their their view or their ability to develop moving forward? Which is exactly what brings us to the second part of that question, which is why would the city consider this? Well, that's a whole can of worms. I guess it really depends on what your point of view is. Uh, as an elected representative, the reason why it may be a good idea to in, to have the annexation approved as part of Herman City is that through annexation, we're able to help finance and pay for some of the impacts that are happening inside the rest of Harriman City. If it happens in the county, we're not allowed to charge or collect any impact fees. And that's that provides a real shortfall. So there's a, there's financial reasons for sure. The second thing is, is that an annexation incorporates what is happening into our broader city plans. You know, as we're developing a new general plan for the city of Harriman, it gives us an opportunity to apply as much of that as we can out there, as well as understand what their plans are and and talk about those differences and see where we can compromise or or even um, modify plans in a way that would fit better into the broader city plans. Um, it just makes planning, decision-making, oversight, financial resources all a part of our city rather than a part of the county. Well, and it's probably something that city councils deal with all the time. When when you have potential issues like this, you really have to look at them from all sides and examine the pros and the cons, how it could work for your city, how it couldn't work for your city, and then that's how councils make their decisions. Is that correct? I, I think that that's 100% correct because, again, once that, I guess, notice of intent or annexation petition is filed, that is the beginning of a process that has, as we've referred to it, having some of these preliminary conversations, that has basically many off-ramps um, for both the city and the landowner throughout the annexation process. Because what it does is it does allow us the, the opportunity to sit down and to talk about, again, all of those, those facets that come with potential development of that land. Talk, we talk about water and sewer infrastructure. We talk about roads and uh, you know traffic and the potential impacts of that development. We talk about design standards. Um, what is the, the look and feel of this new development going to look like? How does that tie into the rest of the look and feel of our city potentially? How, how do we have connectivity with trails and open space, something that is very um, near and dear to us in Harriman? So this is an opportunity to explore all of those together um, in a collaborative fashion to say, can we take what their vision is of their development and what our vision is of the city and make that mutually beneficial for, for everybody? Steve has already mentioned that with, uh, you know, with this development comes a, lo a lot of potential impacts and challenges. Um, but he also another, used another keyword there just a minute ago uh, that I really appreciated, and that is, is with that also, I believe, comes opportunity. Opportunity for us as a community um, to, to look at how can we make this development better? How do we make it integrate better? And again, at the end of that process... Did we get to where we felt like all of our concerns were addressed, the landowner or all their concerns addressed, and do we think it's mutually beneficial now to, to make that annexation really official? But there's plenty of opportunity, again, through this whole process for either side to, to say, I just don't know that this is the best option for us, and that's part of the process. 
So even though an application could be submitted, there's still opportunities for both parties to kind of decide that maybe it is or is not for them. Absolutely. You know, uh, there's something that we've said a couple of different ways through this conversation, but I just want to restate it so that there's there's no question because I think that um, there's still this misunderstanding of what annexation would mean or not mean. Without annexation, Olympia Hills is still approved. Olympia Hills is still going to be constructed. It is still going to impact Harriman City in a huge way. Those cars will still come down our streets. Our public safety um, professionals will still be called out there to do work because we're the closest municipality. Um, there will be impact on stormwater plans and infrastructure and power grids and water usage. And all of those things are going to happen whether there's an annexation or whether there's not an annexation. And I think that is really, really important because the reason we would want to talk to them is the way that it's going forward right now. There are 6,330 homes, over a million square feet of commercial space, several schools, a hundred acre Utah State University extension campus. Um, I mean, there's, there's a ton going out there. All of the traffic associated with all of that stuff, it's coming down our streets. Um, and unless we talk to them and collaborate on mutually beneficial solutions to mitigate and, and keep that traffic flowing, we're getting all of the impact with no input, no say, no financial impacts for the city to help offset what's coming. Um, essentially, as we get all of the impact and no opportunity to express any say in the matter whatsoever. The good thing about this process of discussion that's been going on is that whether or not an annexation is ultimately approved or not, there's still better outcomes to be found through discussion and collaboration, even if we ultimately determine annexation isn't the best course of action. If you don't mind, I'd like to back up even a little bit further. You mentioned impact fees, and those unfamiliar with government finance, might that might be a new term. Um, one question we get every now and then is, are we going to have to raise taxes to pay for everything Olympia Hills related? And I, I wonder if, I, I know before I came here, before I worked in government, I thought cities just had this gigantic checking account and all the property taxes and sales taxes just went in this big pot and the city can decide to do whatever they want with it. Um, but in reality, government finance is a lot more complicated than that. As someone who helps assemble the budget document, I wish it was the checking account route because it'd be a lot easier to document. But, um, but in reality, how, how does that work? What are impact fees versus uh, you know ongoing maintenance costs and things like that to help pay for this upgraded, expanded infrastructure that it's resulting from needs due to the Olympia Hills development. Yeah, and who pays those impact fees? Yes, that is that is a very good question, and one John to your point, one that um, is challenging for residents to really understand, unless you have to deal with it every day. It's challenging for city council. <laughs> it is. Too. Hey, uh, yes, I still don't completely get it, and I've been doing this for a while. So, um, simply stated, impact fees are assessed to new development coming into a city to help offset the impacts that that new development will bring to the city, i.e. increased traffic, um, upgrading water systems and sewer systems, storm water runoff, all of those essential things that a lot of us really don't think about day to day because maybe a lot of that stuff's in the ground other than the traffic component. Anytime a new commercial structure, new residence is built in any community, with it comes impact to the community. And so impact fees are established to make sure that that new home or commercial business that's coming in is, is doing their best to pay for the impact that comes with them. And those impact fees are not just this arbitrary number that, uh, you know, we all sit down and start throwing out numbers and say, yeah, that sounds good. 
impact fees have to be established through several different plans and analysis and studies um, with uh, Peter people much much smarter than myself to to come in and help derive really down to that core unit number and what that is. And then the city council then has the opportunity once those studies are completed to be able to weigh in and decide where to set that impact fee level. We will tell you um, that that working in city government, generally speaking, impact fees do not always cover the cost of the true impact that comes with development. And, uh, and, and that's a challenge because then you start to have to find those other, new, other revenue sources to, to make up the difference. Uh, the, you know, dipping into your sales tax or property tax or whatever it is. And then when you don't have enough to cover those true impacts that come with development, then you have to get into the realm of talking about how are we going to pay for this? Does that mean a potential tax increase? So back now, convert that back to the potential Olympia Hills development, again, we've talked about, we know that there's going to be significant impact on Harriman City with the development. Again, if it is developed outside of Harriman City limits, we have no funding mechanism associated with that new development to help pay for the impacts that we will receive. By potentially having them in Harriman City, we at least now have a, a mechanism to have that discussion to say, with that, it's going to come impact where you're developing, but there's downstream impact. And now we can factor that into the plan and decide, again, going through these analysis and uh, studies of what an appropriate impact fee is to help us try and mitigate those long-term impacts that come from growth. Again, growth comes everywhere, and there's, but it's never assessed to the existing resident. It's assessed to that new growth that's coming in, that new development. Clint, I think there's an important aspect of that too is let's say for example we know that traffic from uh, the Olympia Hills development will be coming down um, Harriman Boulevard coming down 126 south right coming down Main Street uh, 134th south the that traffic is going to come down roads that are already built so how do we determine how much impact 6,000 homes is going to have on each one of those roads versus the impact that's already on the roads from the traffic that we have. You can see how that that calculation starts to get kind of complicated. It's a little more impact on this intersection than that intersection. Whereas new roads that are being built in Olympia Hills, of course, 100% of the impact of that road is attributed to Olympia Hills. So those impact fees would pay for 100% of all the new things and then their proportionate impact on the retrofitting, if you will, of the rest of the things. Yep. So what about, you know, we know that all of this traffic could potentially drive on each of these roads, these existing roads that we already have. Um, And over time, these roads are going to continually see more and more wear and tear. So... Where does that come from? How, how is the maintenance performed on these roads from this additional impact? How, how is that paid for? Well, the, the operations and maintenance in any city is, it's difficult to keep up on operations and maintenance, whether it's roads or whether it's parks and trails, all of those, because those are all of the, again, there's a lot of our services that are under the ground, that we just kind of take for granted, expect that are going to be there every day. The lights are going to come on when we flip the switch. The water is going to come on when we turn on the tap. And the ones that are most prevalent to us are our roads and, again, our parks and open space. But that operations and maintenance um, is is part of – we have our general fund. And the general fund is what comes from our property taxes and then our sales taxes. Um, and that is – if you've paid much attention to our budget over the last couple of years, you'll know that – in Harriman City, we have one of the lowest property taxes around. And, and I, d- I just verified this morning, the property tax rate for Harriman City is unchanged since Harriman Incorporated. So for 21 years, that property tax has not changed. At least the Harriman City the Harriman portion. Harriman City side. The Harriman City <laughs> portion. And, and again... John mentioned our budget document just, you know, at the start of the podcast here. And if you go back in that, there's great explanation of the money that's collected through 
the art to our residents and taxes and how much of that is actually funneled down to the city level. And so back to your question, Tammy, is, is how are we going to do that? We have a very small portion to be able to fund the operations and maintenance um, component of that. And, and that is a key piece of that future forecasting of our city. Operation and maintenance doesn't come cheap. It's much cheaper if you budget for it and maintain, do have a good rigorous maintenance program up front. It'll be, you'll spend pennies now compared to dollars down the road if you have to do a road replacement ver- versus road maintenance. But we have to start with looking at what is the impact going to do, make sure that we have the, the right infrastructure in place to handle the traffic that's proposed and be able to work with Olympia Hills and the development to make sure we our roads meet that demand. And then we now step back and plan for the maintenance of those to keep up over time to make sure that, again, that traffic you're going to hear and potholes you're going to hear from your residents all the time. So if Olympia Hills is not annexed into Harriman City, but all of those cars are still driving on our roads, their property taxes won't go towards the maintenance of the roads that they're driving on in Harriman City. Is that right? That's right. That is correct. However, if it were to be annexed into Harriman City, their property taxes would go towards the maintenance of these roads here in Harriman City that they would be driving on. Some, yes. Some of it, not all of it, because yeah, there's the, there's going to be roads in that development as well. Let's let's use this as an opportunity. So I like to train wreck conversations anyway. <laughs> but this is a this is a great opportunity to have this conversation. In in 2020, the total amount of property taxes that the city of Harriman collected was just a little over eight hundred thousand dollars total. <laughs> Remember that $60 million shortfall I was talking about at the beginning? You can't raise taxes enough to ever cover that shortcoming. There's just, Mm -mm. that's not the way to do it. We talk a lot about having a a balanced uh, budget uh, or, or a balanced revenue source going forward. In the past several years, a really large percentage of our general fund has been financed through building permits, one-time fees, not ongoing money. And that's been a real concern. A few years ago, that was almost 40% of our budget, right? I mean, that was a huge chunk. One of the things that has been progress has been made on, and, and Alan reported in our last city council meeting, was that that number has been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to where in this current proposed budget, the difference between the sales tax revenues and the current um, uh, expenses, there's a difference of only about a million dollars, which in a you know $60 million budget is, is a really good step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. The way that we close that going forward is we need to increase sales tax revenues. We need to increase um, franchise tax revenues. The way that we do that is by building out our commercial, retail, mm-hmm. business um, centers type of base. Um, that's why the economic development efforts that have been going on are so important. You know, with the addition of Winco and some of our cool restaurants over there and the new ice cream shop. And um, I mean, we even have now a dry cleaner over there. And I mean, it, it's it's really cool. If you haven't been over there, please go over and visit. <laughs> um, but each one of those new stores that open is, a gener- is another sales tax generator for the city that helps close that gap. One of the things that's potentially appealing about the plans for Olympia Hills right now is their inclusion of over a million square foot of a million square feet of retail space out there, almost 1.3 million. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen in one year, five years, 10 years, 30 years, but understanding that there's a plan for that is really vital to the future budget balancing of the city of Harriman. Um, I mean, I know there's so much, I would give word to this way. There's frustration because things aren't finished yet. Mm -hmm. Roads aren't finished. Freeway interchanges aren't finished. You know, Mountain View Corridor doesn't connect. We have too many stoplights. Bangalore (laughs) Highway has, you know, all of these things aren't finished. It's all a work in process. And right now, if you've had to drive to work at 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning leaving out of Harriman, you know 
it's not working ideally right now. <laughs> um, and that's frustrating when you pay a lot of property taxes, when you feel like you're contributing your fair share and those things aren't getting taken care of, it's frustrating. But remember, this is a process, not an event. Where we are now is not where we're going to be. Um, and where we're going to be is going to be largely determined by many of the decisions we make right now, which is why this conversation about Olympia Hills is so important. Are we going to move forward with this as a part of our city's future? Or are we not going to move forward with this as a part of our city's future? We, mm -hmm. We're going to have to make that decision. The more information we have, the more analysis we have, the more conversations we have, the easier that decision will get. So as you talk about um, building permits and sales tax and how some of these dollars go towards some of this maintenance and kind of that we're closing that gap that though building permits may be going down, our sales tax is going up. Um, is it true that some of that sales tax is also from online shopping, shopping from home, which is actually a population-based sales tax? Is that accurate? That is very accurate. Um you know, again, I think it's 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 a great thing to know. Um, and Steve mentioned the one-time fees that uh, that we do um, with development and building permits that we rely on for our city budget. And again, the need that we've recognized for many years now to to kind of flip the script on that to decrease our dependency on that one-time money and increase um, our dependency on those uh, sustainable tax revenues. Interestingly enough. Um, obviously, we're in a, a community that's growing rapidly anyways, but in, interestingly enough, during the pandemic, um, in a time where people were not venturing far from home, we saw, even though we've seen our, our sales tax base continue to, to grow over years, we saw a substantial growth uh, over during the pandemic because, one, our people were shopping here locally, close to home. They didn't want to venture out far. And to your point, the next piece was is that that online shopping presence became easier and more preferred for people than having to go out to the stores. And that is an actual, wherever that product is sold, the, the point of sale, meaning your house, if you order from Amazon, becomes the point of sale. And that distribution model um, is 50% from the point of sale and 50% population. So growing community, we get more people. That helps our, our tax base increase. And now point of sale from online shopping, the way that it is set up, we get more of that directly to the community. So to your, to your question, yes, online sales are becoming a significant factor in the increase that we are seeing year over year in our sales taxes. And that is all good news for our community. As again, we release our depend, we reduce our dependency on those one-time monies of building permit fees and be turned to a more sustainable source of sales taxes. And one of my favorite stories about that was when we got our first report on sales taxes, um, for April of last year. So that was the first full month of the lockdown and the pandemic. I don't want to bring up terrible memories, mm -hmm. but um, historically for the past however many years, Smith's on the corner of 56th and 134th has been the largest sales taxpayer in the city every month for years and years and years and years and years. Last April, that became Amazon for the first time ever. <laughs> Um, none of us were shopping at the stores or very few of us were, and there wasn't toilet paper to be had anyway. <laughs> so, um, so many of us shipped to buying products online, mm -hmm. um, and it really boosted sales tax revenue. I think last year, um, over the last year's budget, we're ahead a little more than 30% over what our sales tax revenue projections were. So that's a great trend. Mm -hmm. Um, building permits are down which was not a great trend, but because we're filling in with the sales tax revenue growth, our budget is still very healthy and we're still moving in the right direction. And I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, everyone has done their part and my wife has done her part to increase our online sales. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> so going back to Olympia Hills, um, we we're talking about the discussions that are being had right now um they're happening in, in city council meetings um 
they're happening. We've described in work groups during the day, uh, meetings between the city and the developer uh, to try to hash out the details of, you know, what's being proposed, what are, what's the plan and, you know, how can the city uh, make this happen? You can find summaries, by the way, of all those meetings on Harriman.org slash Olympia Hills. Um, nice plug, John. <laughs> <laughs> John, I want to talk about that for just a second, because this is something that I'm, I'm really proud of our city for doing. Um, and, and I think it needs to be spoken to in, in detail. And is that, that is in municipal government when a landowner wants to develop on their land, that process is a, uh, an administrative process that's handled by city staff with city staff, the, the applications, the information, all, all, you know, a lot of the details are handled, the engineering, all of those things are handled administratively by city staff. And then once it's gone through the full administrative process, then it comes to the city council and planning commissions for our um, legislative duties in, when it comes to an approving. For the first time ever in Harriman City, and at least anecdotally, the first time it's happened in Utah state municipal government history, the city council members themselves are now being involved in the administrative side of this process in agreement and cooperation with the landowner and developer. Um, we wouldn't we wouldn't just insert ourselves into this process unwittingly. This is a cooperative thing in which at least two members of the city council are assigned to each one of these working groups to discuss finances, infrastructure, planning, right? Understanding how all of these issues are going to impact the city and to have summaries and information and reports and diagrams and information from these administrative meetings being published to the public has never been done before. I, I, I'm going to keep pounding this drum. This is an unprecedented level of transparency and information that's being provided to our residents about Olympia Hills. If you don't know something, it's because you're trying not to. We're doing everything we can to give you every piece of information. What's happening in these meetings? Who's attending these meetings? What's being discussed? Some of the obstacles and issues and um if you really want to be help yourself go to sleep read the summaries <laughs> of the infrastructure meeting where we're talking about road widths and um it, it's boring but it's necessary so that we can do a good analysis so I, i'm really proud of our city for doing the process this way i know that everybody wish it was all you know c-span live stream that's not how it works <laughs> um but we're doing the best we can to make this completely um, accessible and transparent to everybody so we know what's going along and residents have a chance to make their voices heard about these things as they're progressing. Mm -hmm. And John, you brought up right really at the top of this podcast, you know, the, the early part of this, all of these things that we're doing right now that Steve just spoke about, they have been very deliberate decisions to, to do it this way. And the, and you mentioned at the start of this, that the Olympia Hills has been a very emotional topic. Um, when it was going through the county approval process, there was a, a lot of emotion um, from residents um, that were on display for everyone because it, it was a significant event for us and for the people that live in community, in our community. And so now going back to what Steve just talked about, about this process that we're going through, we recognize the emotional nature of that. We recognize, again, we've been talking about potential impacts on our community. We recognize all of those things. And that's why we made a very deliberate decision to say, we want this process to be as open and public and transparent as we have these discussions about potential annexation. This isn't go through the whole process and then all of a sudden, now we're bringing it to a city council meeting or two to talk about annexation at the end of the process, as Steve just described, we are trying to be as transparent and involve the community in the entire process to give them this information so that everybody has all the information in front of them, and that, the, that we can all make a good decision together. And Clint, I, I, I think there's an additional point to be made about that too. Yes, this was a highly emotional, very exciting, very passionate 
debate that happened around the approval of Olympia Hills. But I don't want to disregard the, the research, the information, the facts, the analysis that was done by the residents of Harriman as part of that process. Absolutely. This, yes, they were mad, but they had good reasons for being mad. They had um, strong fact-based objections. And, and the truth is that those objections that were raised, the reasons why we didn't want this um, development approved, we didn't want it approved by the county, we didn't want it approved at the numbers it was approved, all of those objections are still valid objections. The problem is, is it got approved anyway. Mm-hmm. It didn't make our objections go away. It's just our objections aren't going to stop it. Yeah. Um, we have to understand that the negative impacts that we talked about with a really large development on our western border, it's not ideal. Um, that's probably a nice way to say it from from some of our residents' point of view. Um, and, and I don't want this to be portrayed as we're trying to make the best of a bad situation because that's not really fair either. I think what it is saying is that their development um, happening on the, the west side of Harriman is not what we would have chosen. I don't know that they're going to like everything that Harriman has going to ask of them as part of an annexation plan. There's going to be some give and take here. Um, so it's not ideal for them either. The idea is, is that if we're working together, we can find ways to help each other, to benefit both the developer and the city, to help offset our costs um, as a city and help the development go forward in a better, more organized way. Yeah, We have fantastic residents that are highly involved, highly educated do their research, as has already been mentioned, um, and they, they did that the first time around, and we want to give them the opportunity to be part of this process, uh, to give us input as their elected representatives through this. Because, again, that property owner has entitlements at this point, and they have a right to develop their property. Our job now is to say, can we find a way to make this better for both of us? by joining forces, collaborating together, and potentially annexing that into our city moving forward and to bring the public along with us through that process. Because at the end of the day, when you can do work in a collaborative process, you always get a better product at the end of the day. And uh, and our residents have taught us that uh, over, over the years and their involvement by, by doing so. Yeah, and, and, and the amount of information that's being published on our website is specifically designed for further analysis to be done. Uh, I am very confident saying I'm by no means an expert on you know engineering analysis and um, development plans and zoning impacts. And I, I really rely on the feedback of expert members of our community can look at some of this information and ask really important, reasonable questions that I might just not understand or might be overlooking. Um, I really value that input. I know, I know Clint, you do. Every member of the city council begs for people to attend our meetings, <laughs> to give us feedback, to look at this information, to, to be passionate still, to, but, but get educated, read through the information that's being provided and give meaningful feedback so we can continue those discussions in a positive way. Yeah, well, and I really appreciate you both touching on the fact that it was such a sensitive subject and that we did have several residents that were very vocal about this development and and not in support of it at all. But Harriman City also was very vocal in their opposition of this development. And what has changed is the fact that the county went ahead and they approved the development. And so... The city is looking at things in a different light. You're right. It's not necessarily making good of a bad situation. It's, look, this is going to happen. And I think it's more important and and it's better for all parties involved to be a part of that conversation and see how you can create a better development than to just sit back and wait and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think Agreed. I think as you talk about the city's involvement in that early process um, and in our outspokenness 
really against it. There, there was a couple of components of why we were. One, we were obviously concerned about the units that were initially being proposed and obviously the impacts that were going. We knew. Was it like 9,000 It was over 9,000 units. Almost 10,000 yeah. units, yeah. yeah. And, and we knew that that was going to have significant impact on our community. So that was one piece of it. The other piece of it was the process. The process itself um, that, that that approval was going through. And again, the opportunity for for the residents, for us as a city, for the other cities out here who will have the impacts of that to be allowed to be part of the process. So it wasn't just about the development. It's about, again, allowing uh, what I believe is what we're trying to do this time around and making it a very open and collaborative process so that um, everyone has an opportunity to at least know what's being discussed and they can express again their their concerns and we can we can address those as we go through again at the end of the day there's challenges that come with this but with challenges come opportunities and if we work at this together in a collaborative fashion i believe that those challenges can greatly be overcome with enhancements and again better opportunities for us moving forward um we like we mentioned we published the summaries of those meetings um but I wanted to get just your general impressions on you having sat in those meetings. What are your kind of thoughts as you're listening and discussing? What is that like? What is what does that look like? What are your kind of, just kind of general impressions? They're long <laughs> and boring <laughs> and painful. Um, it's it, it, so I've been I'm a part of two committees: the um, infrastructure uh, working group and the finance working group. Um, the finance working group has kind of been in a holding pattern waiting for all of these other engineering questions and planning questions to be answered so that then there can be a, a more robust analysis done. Um, and I say that a little tongue in cheek, um, but not all, not completely <laughs> tongue in cheek. Um, the, the minutia that's being gone through in terms of, you know, four or five different kinds of roads, how wide they are how wide the sidewalks are going to be, how big the park strips are going to be, um, what, how they're going to incorporate new um, stormwater requirements, MS4 LID stuff, nobody wants to know what that is. But <laughs> how we um, manage stormwater runoff in a better way. Um, there's some novel ideas being suggested, which mm -hmm. I think are very cool. Um, but understanding all of these little pieces and parts I mean, two feet difference on a road doesn't sound like that big of a deal until you realize that road is six miles long. That's a lot of more asphalt to pour, a lot more upkeep over time. And so that really substantially impacts the financial analysis. So yeah, all of these things are being gone through. When we're talking about um, the traffic impacts, for example, there are what, 50 something specific intersections and road segments that are, that are listed knowing how much the impact is going to be on each one of those pieces, when it would need to be done, how much it would cost. And now we're trying to figure out what percentage of those costs are going to be, would be applied to the city of Harriman versus the development. Like we go through the impact fee analysis. So yeah, it's very, very detailed conversations, really long, really boring. But it's all of the material decisions and, and agreements that get understood as part of this process that determines whether or not, at least financially, whether or not it even makes sense for the city of Harriman to consider an annexation. I mean, if it just is going to cost us a lot more money and it's never going to help offset anything and it's, you know, it's this major uh, economic Same. negative force for the city in the long run, Whew, we have an opportunity to exit one of those off ramps along the way and go, yeah, that's just not going to work for us. On the other hand, if through this analysis we're able to determine there is a surplus of funds in terms of the one-time money, there is a surplus in the ongoing money, meaning it produces more than enough revenue to pay for the services that it's going to require. Well, yeah, then that starts to make a lot more financial a sense for the city to consider that annexation. And I say financial because that's not the only impact, right? Transportation, infrastructure, planning, public safety, parks and recreation. I mean, all of that stuff has to be discussed and it is all being discussed in these work group meetings. 
Yeah, uh, my I said on the planning group and then the uh, master development agreement group. Um, and while those two things might not mean a lot to you, really what it points back is to what Steve just said, and that is is we literally are going through every aspect of what this development potentially means from setbacks of, you know, front side yard, front yard setbacks, side yard setbacks, rear yard setbacks for, you know, single family, multifamily, commercial. We are looking at every aspect of this because, again, we want to do our due diligence to make sure that at the end of the day, the way that uh, this potentially assimilates into Harriman City continues to to reflect what we've all come to know as the, the Harriman look and feel. And, uh, and, and how do we do that? But in order to do that and, and make sure that that happens, you have to go through every minor detail that is involved with development from, from in the ground to way above the ground. And again, I think that, Honestly, I think that this exercise that we're going through now is phenomenal from an elected official perspective because so much of this, as Steve talked about earlier, we just rely on our excellent staff to, to do that. And that's what that's what they're hired to do. That's what they're experts in, and, and they do it very well. But this has given me a whole different level of, of understanding of that process. And uh, and. I'm going to be better for it. I think our community is going to be better for it, regardless of the outcome uh, moving forward, because we put in the time, we put in the effort, and we're going to do that to make sure that we make the right decision. And, and honestly, I think, I, I don't know that, that we need to have a requirement for every, you know, 25-unit subdivision that might get approved to go through this kind of a process, <laughs> but I, I'm finding a Please great no. deal of benefit <laughs> for the city, for mm-hmm. the for the council, for the staff to to go through the process the way that we're going through and it might become a model for for how we do things going forward in the future um to really engage in the and I want to be careful, you know, there's the there's the administrative process and the legis- legislative process, but engaging in that administrative side of the discussion has been eye-opening mm-hmm. to your point. I mean, just today we're having a conversation about whether or not a road needed to be, you know, 32 feet or 37 feet and what that meant for public safety and whether you could have parking on both sides of the street and how, you know, whether you should load that product from an alley or from the main street and how that would affect parking and how many feet from a main road the fire hose has to go. And I mean, all of that stuff is really kind of crazy conversation, but it's, all of those decisions um, that have to be analyzed and hopefully 21 years of experience as a city has taught us where we may have not made the most optimal decision or understood the impacts of some of those decisions in our early years. And now we've have, you know, 20 years of history to go back and say, we didn't like how that turned out. We'd like to do it differently this time. We're not, we're not excited about this road kind of development in our neighborhood. It doesn't provide enough parking. Let's do something different this time. Um, to your standpoint, you know, talking about master development agreements, MDAs, there's a lot of things that people have expressed some dissatisfaction with in the past, we're trying to do them better, fix those kind of things this time. Um, it is, it's just a better process. Now, whether or not, I, I don't want anybody to think that there's a foregone conclusion to this process. There is way too much to go through, way too much work to be done for anybody to be making a, a decision one way or the other. If anybody has saying, yes, I'm for it or I'm 100% against it with, at this point in the process, they're, they're not, being, not being honest here. There's just not enough information to make that kind of a decision. Well, I made a reference earlier of you know several off-ramps along the way that either us or the developer can take. Um, I think that we maybe are just barely reaching the top of the on-ramp to this process. Right. <laughs> well, imagine. and you guys keep mentioning that, you know, you're doing it differently, that this is different and it is different. And I think, um, I think you're doing a great job in trying to make sure that the public is brought along in this process. Um, you know, you're pushing out the notes from each of these work meetings that you're having 
Um, the information is being presented on social media. It's on the electronic signs whenever it's noted on a council meeting. Um, it's got its own web page on your website. There's going to be um, some upcoming community facilitator meetings so that they can meet with the community and talk about this project. There's going to be neighborhood meetings that um, bring almost like the town hall setting to talk to the public about, about this project. Um, Which and all then, of us as council members <laughs> are, want to engage want. in. We yes. all are yes. desiring to be a part of that and to, to make that process public. And it is also a, a topic during each of the city council meetings. This is always touched on to give updates about the progress, um, which really seems to be just, you know, several different ways that people can gather information on this. If, if you don't want to watch the meeting, you can go to the website and you can get an update on what's taken place. Um, if you don't want to go to the website, if you're on social media, you can at least glance at, you know, what conversations took place and who met and what's going on. Um, and, and I think that's that's noble of you to do. It really is more than has ever been done for a development that comes into the city before. Or any city. Right. Nobody does it. <laughs> um, and I think I think that's that's important. Because this is such a monumental development, um, 900 acres with, is it, it's just over 6,000 units. units. Yeah. That's impactful. And so you're making sure that the public is aware of the steps that you're taking through this process to bring them along and make sure that their voices are heard and that they have representation. And I think you just laid out, obviously, a very good communications plan for this event that uh, that our very good communications team put together uh, for this. Um, but it, it goes to the point that, that this process comes at um, an increase in, in time from the council members, from staff, from everybody, because this is in addition to the normal everyday operations of the city, but it's that important to us to make sure that we dedicate the proper time and resources to it and in, in a transparent way uh, to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to go along because it is such a significant issue that we need to spend the time on it and we're willing to invest that time in it. But it, but that comes um, at, at a cost to, to everybody involved, but it's worth it. And I think we do want our public to know that as we get um, renderings and maps and all of those items as they're worked through, those will also be posted on the website so that they'll be able to to visualize a little bit more what's been taking place in these discussions and how this development is, you know, planning on coming to fruition. Um, so, so we do want to make sure that the public knows that the the website. All of the information that we're pushing out, it is a work in progress. And as additional information becomes available, it will definitely be pushed out. John, do you have anything to add to that? No, we're just trying to utilize all of our platforms we have available as a communications department. And in 2021, that is a lot of platforms. <laughs> um, you'll see something in the mail before too long that will explain the context of everything. Uh, it's, it's. We want you to be informed. We want you to be in. Um, as involved as he can be and just, just kind of be aware of what's going on because this is a major topic within Harriman City and it will affect everyone. So we want to do this the best we can. And there is availability. I mean, if you want to make a comment about this project or what the discussions are that have taken place, if you're reading those summaries and you have a question, right on that website, there's a comment form. You can submit the comments and they'll be provided to the city council so that they're aware of what your thoughts, your ideas, and your feelings are on this project. And, and I think it's really important. We, we try and say this all the time. Although social media is great and there's a lot of thoughts and, and ideas that get circulated on social media, some are great, some aren't so great. Um, and, and, and I appreciate the, the feedback that I can pick, and pick through on social media. Um, I get a lot of residents reach out to me via social media and I appreciate that. Um, but none of that can ever be included in any official city discussions. Um, and so we want to try and again, this is please, please, please residents of Harriman city <laughs> engage with your government. 
talk to us, communicate with us through the official channels, make those comments known, make your, your concerns known, talk to us, give us feedback so that we're better equipped to understand what it is that you need us to be discussing for you. We're doing our best, but the more that you feedback you can give us, the better job we can do. So please, 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 maybe one more, please engage. <laughs> I will echo what Steve said is obviously we are your representatives. We want your engagement. We want your feedback. And uh, for all those that uh, don't get enough of hearing us talk at city council meetings, now you have a podcast <laughs> um, to, to hear more. Um, but to Steve's point about ways to engage in the platforms, I think that this this forum dedicated to this one topic um, is hugely valuable uh, resource to be able to to at least provide additional insight for our residents to to take in through through the process. So thank you to John and Tammy both. Well, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for sitting through a long conversation about an important topic in a very hot room. <laughs> Tammy's enjoying this. Tammy loves this. <laughs> finally. <laughs> it's finally warm. <laughs> yeah, if we had the AC on, we would get the audio. So anyway, we appreciate you coming in and talking about this. We'll have many more conversations on multiple platforms as, as this goes along and as time goes on. Um, but this is a, a, good, a good starting point. Um, to, to help people understand what's happening in, uh, with Olympia Hills and Harriman City. Yeah, thanks for coordinating and organizing this. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk about the rodeo, uh, which is this coming weekend, which you may or may not have listened to the podcast before the rodeo, but Town Days is coming up too, thankfully. We'll, ha- so we'll talk excited. about Olympia Hills Everybody at Town Days to too. Live. Yay. <laughs> we'll talk about that next. This is Harrimanology. Um, I was about to say on a radio station. This isn't a radio station. It's a podcast. Nope, this is a podcast. On (laughs) (laughs) Harriman.org. Listen up and get ready to mark that calendar. Yeah, every day it's something new. Here's what's coming up in the next few weeks in Harriman. All right, we just had our Memorial Day event on, you know, Memorial Day. Coming up this weekend, June, Friday, June uh, 4th through Saturday, June 5th, is the... Jordan Credit Union Fort Harriman PRCA Rodeo at the Rodeo Grounds at Butterfield Park. Super excited to have this back in its uh, entirety after last year's modifications, just like everything else due to COVID-19. Uh, tickets are still available. Go to harriman.org slash rodeo. You can buy tickets there for Friday or Saturday. You'll see a lineup of uh, event participants uh, as well as all the information, tickets are $15 for adults, $10 for kids, three and under are free. Um, you'll have a Knights of Mayhem pre-show starting at 6.30, a flag ceremony, grand ceremony entrance at 7, first horse bucks at 7.30. It's going to be a lot of fun. Then later in June, you'll have the Edge Homes Fort Harriman Town Day. That's June 21st through the 26th. The biggest uh, events at, uh, with the carnival and all the other festivities at Butterfield Park are Thursday through Saturday, the 24th through the 26th. But starting on Monday, the 21st, will be the Harriman Live Talent Show presented by the Harriman Arts Council. Auditions are welcome through June 7th. Just email Council at gmail.com. You'll also have the Hungry Harriman Food Truck lineup, as with every other Monday, and now the Harriman Farmer's Market at the same time at the same place. So a lot going on there. The next night will be the Harriman Yeti Run 5K and Kids Fun Run. Uh, So we've done this before, but this is the first time it's taking place at Crane Park. Uh, Once again, harriman.org slash town days or even harriman.org slash Yeti Run. That'll give you the same information uh, on the Yeti Run. Make sure to register soon to guarantee your shirt size, but that comes with a shirt and socks and a wooddalion and uh, all the all the typical fun stuff you see at a 5K. Wednesday the 23rd moves over to Butterfield Park. Uh, that will be the Harriman Baseball Home Run Derby. Uh, go to harrimanbaseball.com for information there. Thursday the 24th. We're not going to go through all the events here because there are a ton, but go to harriman.org slash town days. It features the carnival, uh, shop local stroll, axe throwing, police canine unit demonstration, pet adoptions, touch a drug. There's a lot going on there. Same thing Friday night. Friday night is going to feature uh, date night, including a 
deal or no deal game at the Rosecrest Pavilion at Butterfield Park. That's just the big giant pavilion there at the at the park. Uh, children's Entrepreneur Market, more axe throwing, DJ and dancing starting at 10, goes to 11, uh, food trucks as always. And then Saturday, everything starts at 10 a.m. Uh, with the Grand Parade. Uh, the You can have a parade entry, and you can see the parade route on that same website. The Carnival is going all day. The Farmer's Market's going on all day. You'll have a car show from 3 to 6. Uh, live stage entertainment all day. Um, food trucks, and of course, we cap everything off, as always, with a fireworks show. Uh, we'll talk about motocross that happens in August in later podcast episodes, but go to harriman.org slash town days for all the information for town days. Hope to see you at the rodeo this weekend. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about Harrimanology. Um, we'd love to get your feedback, what you think of the podcast, uh, different topics you might like us to cover, um, anything like that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being an awesome resident. Um, I'm John LaFollette from Harriman City. We were joined earlier by Tammy Moody, Council members Stephen Shields and Clint Smith. We'll talk to you next time here on Hermanology.